Mouse to Mouse, Episode 14. Howdy, y'all. As our hotel in Abilene was just a couple of blocks down from a sprawling mass of retail establishments, we decided when we filled the car up with gas, we might as well also refresh our stock of provisions in the local generic Super Hyper Megastore. After our usual wonderment at how different and how big all of the grocery items were compared to our own British equivalents, we lined up at the checkout to pay, and it was here that we had our first experience of someone being genuinely enthralled by our cute accent. Jasmine, the very friendly girl on the cash register, began by asking the standard, Where y'all from? After my slightly general but vaguely accurate confirmation that we were from London, I found that a more specific answer of a place called Chessington in Surrey, which is actually part of the borough of Kingston, which is itself in Greater London, tends to bring on a form of catatonia. She delightedly followed up with a, No way! Once she had eventually satisfied herself, through further whoops of joy at my pronunciation, she pointed to Sarah and inquired whether, She talked like that too? Poor Jasmine almost had a coronary when the she in question opened her mouth and out came a British accent. While not exactly posh, it's a couple of steps up from my southwest London babble. Oh my god, that is so cool, Jasmine excitedly exclaimed. This was rapidly followed by a quick-fire barrage of questions that included, but were not limited to, what we were doing in Abilene, where we were going next, and what word y'all used for y'all. After a moment of thought, I concluded that we don't really have such a word, and then I told her about our road trip. At this point, the excitement levels hit JazzCon 1, and I started to become slightly concerned for the poor girl's general well-being. When she eventually calmed down to a state of mild hysteria, her focus switched to the kids, who were, by now, concealing themselves behind their mother. Jasmine gestured towards them in a joyous manner and inquired whether they spoke like that too. Unfortunately, by this point, both children had been struck dumb and could only manage a silent and rather dazed nod, but it seemed that that was enough to encourage additional paroxysms. As we picked up our shopping and thanked Jasmine and walked away, I glanced back to see her pointing us out to one of her colleagues, and I'm pretty sure I could lip-read an OMG. Is this what it feels like to be famous? Not that we've done anything to deserve the adulation other than being born somewhere. Still, I suppose it never stopped the royal family. One thing that was quite noticeable about all of the people that we encountered in Abilene, once deserted Sunday was out of the way, was their genuine sense of surprise that we should want to visit the place. The funny thing was, though, that from what we saw, which was admittedly not that much, it really did seem to be a rather delightful place, full of friendly and welcoming people. Maybe there's some sort of inferiority complex attached to its relative proximity to Dallas and Fort Worth. But if that is the case, I would urge the people of Abilene to remember that in American terms, they're also just around the corner from Happy, not to mention the most boring town in the nation. Once we got on our way, we made good and uneventful progress until, having amused myself, but seemingly nobody else, with the fact that it was Monday and we had just driven through a town called Monday, Tyler felt that overpowering urge to use the toilet that only ever happens when there are none in sight. Having packed the essential mobile potette for just such an emergency, Sarah pulled over onto the side of Highway 82, and father and son hopped out to take care of business. It was a new and exciting experience to be crouching down on the edge of an arid field in 104 degree heat, particularly when we began to hear a sound suspiciously like that of a rattlesnake drawing ever closer. Tyler, of course, was entirely oblivious to the threat posed by what in my mind was almost certainly a record-sized diamondback, 
and just sat there enjoying a slow and leisurely comfort break until eventually he announced his conclusion and I snatched him up and bundled him back into the car as fast as I possibly could and urged the wife to step on it to Wichita Falls. Once we got there, we headed for Lucy Park to see the feature that gave the town its name. Lucy was located with little fuss, and on parking the car, we found a small play area with metal slides that looked like an excellent way to acquire third-degree burns. Some decidedly grim toilets, and a particularly rickety old rope bridge that the kids and I had a great deal of fun crossing, and Sarah looked at with a degree of disdain. But one thing that certainly did not present itself was any sign of or for the falls. No problem, we thought. The place is called Wichita Falls. Surely any local resident worth his or her salt would undoubtedly be able to sketch a rudimentary map on the back of an envelope for the inquiring tourist. Several local residents were quickly located, strolling in the vicinity, but none of them had the faintest idea where the falls were. Hell, some of them seemed rather surprised that such a geographical anomaly even existed. The only party that gave any indication that seeing these fabled waters might be a possibility was, it turned out, a group of Germans who had enlisted the insistence of a chap who I took to be a park ranger, on the evidence that he seemed to have some confidence in the direction in which he was striding. By this point, the rest of my expedition had retired to the air-conditioned comfort of the car, but now that I was in competition with the Germans, this had become a matter of national pride. With little regard for my own safety, having left the family in haste, hatless and with no water to sustain me, I picked up the pace and forged along the path towards the promised land. Battling with the elements, I also braved the dangerous indigenous wildlife as my path was crossed by a giant lizard-like monster that I believe the locals call a lizard. While it is difficult to put an accurate length on the creature, I am confident that one would have got little change out of five or possibly even six inches. Undaunted by the extreme danger, I pressed on, leaving the German challenges in my wake, until finally there it was, Wichita Falls. Sadly, along with my hat and water bottle, I had left my Union Jack behind, so I was unable to unfurl it at the summit and claim the falls for Mother England. But I did take a nice picture to show the family. In truth, the falls were not exactly the Victoria or Niagara level, more of a pleasant splash than a roaring tide, but I can at least say I saw them, and that I beat the Germans in doing so. The remainder of the day's travels went off largely without incident, reaching the first of our two-night stops since Las Vegas, this time in Oklahoma City. I guess we were about to find out if it really was oh-so-pretty. One thing that the rest of the drive did underline, however, was how much the Midwest does enjoy a good religious proclamation on a roadside billboard. My favourite one today urged us to thank Jesus for the rain. I couldn't help feeling that as a family from London, we wouldn't half have to do a lot of thanking. <laughs>